Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on July 10th, 2022, on the basis of Genesis chapter 42 to 44. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord who pours out forgiveness on us. Amen. A little review is good for us, uh, a little review of the story of Joseph. I know we've been walking, walking through it uh, quite a bit here, but as we review things, we, we remember what happens more, obviously. We, we internalize some of those things. We know, we know how the story goes. Um, and as we internalize the, those facts of the story and how that story goes, we, we also internalize what God intends to tell us through these, these readings and through the story of, of Joseph in general. So I, I want to take you back a little bit, 20 years before the reading we just read, and, and talk a little bit, review a little bit of how the brothers felt towards Joseph. And, and really, it's not a hard question. How, how did the brothers feel to Joseph before they sold him into slavery? Well, they despised him. They were disgusted at his very presence. And that wasn't a secret to Joseph. Joseph knew his brothers hated him. Now, he probably didn't think that, that they were going so far as to plot to harm him or to, to even murder him, but he knew that the relationship that he had with his brothers was, uh, was severed um, and, and it was broken. But, but even with how broken that relationship was, Joseph never could have imagined being sold as a slave in, in and, and sent to, to Egypt. And as he's in that, that caravan with the Ishmaelites heading down to Egypt, you just think about some of the things that are going through Joseph's mind. It, some of it has to be disbelief, that, that he can't even believe that this is happening, uh, along with a bunch of other troubling uh, emotions and thoughts that are going through his head. How, how could his brothers do this to him? Really, how could anybody do this to anyone, let alone their own blood? Joseph probably also wondered, would he ever see mom and dad again? He maybe even wondered if he'd survive when, when he made it to Egypt. The, the brothers had committed this heinous act towards Joseph. And it was so bad that, that you really kind of wonder how Joseph could ever trust, really trust anybody ever again. And as he's, as he's in Egypt, his life was completely different. He, he probably... Never thought he'd see his brothers again. He maybe dreamed of, of seeing them again, of seeing his family again, but, but realistically, never thought he'd see his brothers again. Uh, Joseph's brothers certainly never thought they'd see him again. Uh, but God was not done with them. God wasn't done with, with Joseph. He wasn't done with the brothers, with shaping and molding them, with, with leading them. He, he wasn't done with the, the relationship between Joseph and his, his brothers. And so God orchestrated history for their paths to cross yet again. Uh, Pharaoh's dream came true. He had a dream that, that there, there would be seven years of, of good crops followed by seven years of severe famine, and that famine was severe. And it wasn't just in, in Egypt, but it extended far beyond the Egyptian borders all the way to Canaan, where Joseph's family lived. Jacob and all of his, his brothers, they lived in Canaan. And they were out of food, and the only place they could go for food was Egypt. And guess who was in charge of the administration of that food? Well, their, their brother, Joseph. 
And so 10 of the brothers, all of the brothers except for Benjamin, they go down to Egypt and they appear before Joseph. Now just think about this for a second. If, if Joseph is, in, is second in charge of all of Egypt, it's likely that he probably didn't attend to every person that came wanting food, right? Uh, he, he had other people underneath him that could attend to some of those things. But maybe there is a slight hope in Joseph's mind that, that he might see some of his family again. If this famine extends as far as he thought it, it did, then, then perhaps people would come from Canaan to, to get food from him. So you could imagine him maybe telling some of his workers underneath him, just, just let me know. Let me know if somebody comes speaking Hebrew. Uh, let me know if somebody comes from the land of Canaan. I want to attend to those, those people. And so the, the brothers appear before Joseph, and Joseph recognizes them. They, they haven't changed that much. It's been several years, but, but he knows what they, they look like. But they did not recognize him. And really, why would they? First of all, they, they never intended to, they never thought they'd see Joseph again, much less in this position. They sold him as a slave in, in, to the Ishmaelites, remember. And they didn't expect to see him as second in charge over all of Egypt. Not to mention, 20 years has passed since they've seen him last. And he's, he's an Egyptian now. He's wearing Egyptian clothes. He's probably, uh, he probably looks like an Egyptian. His hairstyle looks like an Egyptian. They, they, they have no clue uh, that it's him. So as they, they get before him, they do what is customary in the ancient Near East at that time when you're standing in front of somebody important. They bow their faces to the ground. They prostrate themselves before him. And you got to think for Joseph, things are full circle here, right? You remember back to the beginning of the, of the Joseph story when he had two dreams about his brothers bowing down to him. And now here they are, with their faces down to the ground before him, just as God had sent, said to him in that dream. That's the meaning that God intended to give to Joseph. And now here, here it's happening. Uh, this was all God's plan from, from the beginning, Right? Now, when he starts to talk to the brothers, he accuses them of being spies, right? He doesn't know that, or he knows that they're not spies. He knows that that's not their station in life, that they're the agricultural wanderers from Canaan. They're not spies. He knows that in his head, but he accuses them of being spies. And at first blush, when we hear that, we think, all right, Joseph is getting his revenge, right? He's been waiting for this for all these years to just have an opportunity to pay the brothers back for all the nasty things that they did to him uh, all those years ago. And I can understand why, why you might jump to that conclusion, but before you settle on that one, I want you to consider this. Why would God include three chapters, three long chapters in the book of Genesis, in his holy word, that centered around the theme of, uh, to, to, have, to take up three chapters showing how Joseph gets his, gets his revenge in, in revenge? That there's something more years ago, when Joseph was 17 years old, um, if there was any gone, and it had been gone for a long time. And so Joseph knew nothing about his brothers. He, he, knew, he didn't know if they had changed. He didn't know if they were the exact same as they were when they sold him in, into slavery. Um, he, they didn't, he didn't know if they even thought about him ever again. Uh, maybe 
they just sold him and never thought a second thought about him, ever. Uh, he, he didn't know if they believed in God, if they feared God, if they, they worshipped him. He knew nothing about his brothers, but he is about to get some, some answers on this. So, he tells the brothers, here's how you can confirm you're not spies. Go back and send one of your brothers back and bring Benjamin, your other brother, back with you. You can see what maybe he's going through Joseph's mind a little bit here. Maybe he gets to see his brother again. Now, this, this is his full brother because this was the only other son of his, his mother, uh, Rachel. So, so maybe he gets to see Benjamin again. That, that's got to be an exciting thought for, for Joseph. But maybe there's another purpose, too. Maybe he wants to see how the brothers treat Benjamin. Maybe that might give Joseph a, a little idea of, of if the brothers have changed or not. And so he puts the brothers in custody for three days, and then he kind of reverses his plan a little bit. Instead of just sending one person back, they're going to keep one of the brothers in prison in Egypt, and then the rest of the brothers can go back to Canaan, to Jacob, their father, bring the food back with them. But they are to bring Benjamin back if they ever want to see Joseph, if they ever want to see their brother Simeon, who is left there again. So Simeon stays in prison, and they head back, uh, loaded with all of their food, and, and, and you saw what happened that, that first time they went back. They, they, checked their, they checked their sacks for the night, and in there with the grain was also the, the silver that they, they, were, they paid for the grain. So essentially, they're bringing the grain back for, for free, and they're not saying, all right, we did it, we got free grain. They're terrified. They say, what is this God has done to us? Because they know that, that if they ever show up in Joseph's presence again, that they're, they're dead meat. <laughs> if this was more than just a mistake, if, they, if, they blame, if he blames the brothers for this, then they're done for. But by this time, they, they've traveled too far. They, they can't turn around and go back now. So they go home. They tell their father everything that has happened, and Jacob is just heartbroken. He's heartbroken because he's lost another son. Simeon's sitting there in prison in, in Egypt, and he's heartbroken at the thought of sending Benjamin to Egypt as well. The last time he sent one of Rachel's sons away, it was only to Shechem, and that son didn't come back. He, he couldn't imagine sending Benjamin away here. Well, some time passes, right? Uh, they run out of food again, and they really have no other options. They, they have to go back to Egypt. That's the only place for them to get food but they can't go back to Egypt without Benjamin. And, and here, uh, at this juncture, there's a detail that I want to bring out, and, and there's going to be three such details here that I want to bring out that, that shows you a little bit about the brothers and how they had changed. So it, it's at this juncture that, that Judah steps up and tells his, his father that he will take responsibility for Benjamin. And now, th that may seem like a, a really cool thing, but remember who Judah is, too. Remember what Judah did at the beginning. 20 years ago, it was Judah's idea to sell Joseph into slavery. So, so something must have changed in Judah. He's now looking out for his brother, willing to take responsibility for his brother, staking his life on, on his brother Benjamin and his well-being. So the, the brothers depart. They're, they're, loaded, uh, they're loaded with their gifts to present to Joseph. They appear in his, in his presence this first time, 
and Joseph is so overjoyed. Of course, he's got to kind of keep that all inside because he's still trying to conceal his identity, but, but he's overjoyed at seeing his brothers, overjoyed at seeing Benjamin. He says, let's have, let's have a meal at noon. And when they come back at noon, he, he is so overjoyed to see his brother Benjamin that he has to leave the room. He, he, he's overtaken with his, his emotions. He has to go and compose himself and wash his face and, and do all that to, to, to get back to a place where he could, could actually interact with people because he's so emotionally connected to his brother. And it gives you a little glimpse into Joseph's heart, doesn't it? it, it it's pretty obvious Joseph is not seeking revenge here at, at all, but that Joseph deeply loves his brother Benjamin. But not just his brother Benjamin, he deeply loves all of his his brothers. He, he is so happy that, that he has been brought together with them again, even if they don't know it yet. But there are some things that Joseph still needs to find out. Have they changed? Can Joseph trust the brothers? And he's going to use Benjamin to, to answer that question. So they're going to go head back a second time. He loads them up with grain. He puts the silver again back in their sacks. But this time, he puts his special silver cup in Benjamin's sack, and he sends them on their way. But he doesn't let them get too far this time. Before he sends his servant after them, the servant knows exactly what he's going to find, and he finds, he finds that uh, silver cup in Benjamin's sack. After the brothers had, had swore up and down that they didn't do it, because they, of course, had no knowledge of that. In fact, they made some pretty serious oaths, right? They said, whoever is found with it, you can put that guy to death, and the rest of us will be your, your slaves. Well, the servant at least lightens that up a little bit and says that the one is found, who's found with it will be my slave. The rest of you can go free. And when it's found in Benjamin's sack, here's detail number two that I want to bring out for you. What did the brothers do? They tore their clothes. Now, now that's a sign in, in that ancient culture of deep distress. They are so distressed over this because they cared for their brother Benjamin. They loved him, and even more than that, they knew how closely Jacob's life was tied up to Benjamin. So they knew that, that hurting Benjamin would hurt their, their father as well, and they didn't want either of those things to happen. So, so they go back to Egypt with, uh, with the, the servant, and they stand before Joseph again, throwing themselves at his, his mercy. And here's detail number three. Judah, who promised to take responsibility for Benjamin, follows through. He does. He takes responsibility for, for Benjamin. He, he says, don't punish Benjamin in this way, but take me in his place. Judah is willing to take the punishment for Benjamin. He, he doesn't try to shift the blame. He doesn't say, we don't know how that got there. He, he takes responsibility. He's, he's willing to, to take the punishment for Benjamin. You can see that the change in the heart of Judah. That's a, it's a big story, isn't it? That's, that's a lot to cover, and we're going to stop there for today. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it on a, on a bit of a, a cliffhanger. But I do think there's some things that we need to, to debrief on a little bit from that and to, to unpack here. One thing that became clear throughout this is, is the brothers have changed. They seem to look out for each other. Uh, they seem to look out for Benjamin and, and love him. They, they seem to love their, their father. And Joseph needed to see this. But he didn't need to see it in order to forgive them. And one thing that becomes clear as you read the, the whole story of Joseph, 
and that, as we'll see at the beginning of, of our, our story next time, is Joseph has forgiven the brothers in his heart. Now, now he hasn't had the chance to say it to him yet. He hasn't had the, the chance to verbalize it. But he had let go of any anger and bitterness that he had a long time ago. He had already forgiven his brothers. But he needed to see that they had changed in order to begin to rebuild trust with his, with his brothers. Uh, so one thing we learned from, from Joseph here is, is that there is a connection between uh, forgiveness and, and trust. Um, you, don't need, you don't need trust in order to forgive someone. So, so one of the things that we may get hung up on sometimes is, is we may say, I can't forgive that person because I can't trust them. But, but that's the truth that we get wrong. The, the truth that we need to take with us today is that you don't need to trust somebody in order to forgive them. And we are very grateful that's not the case. Because if God needed to trust us in order to forgive us, then we'd never be forgiven, right? Every time we sin, we break God's trust, and we sin a lot. We are constantly breaking God's trust. God freely forgives us. He doesn't make us grovel, and he doesn't want us to grovel. When you confess your sins, they are forgiven before God just like that. There, there are no other, no other attachments to that. You are forgiven. Your guilt is gone. The relationship w- between you and God has been mended, which almost seems too good to be true, doesn't it? But it's true because God is good. And you can always trust that about your God that your God will always be a God of, of forgiveness, that your God will, will always continue to love you, that your God will always be about grace. And that sort of uh, forgiveness, it, it has an impact on a heart. It, it not only shows you, or it not only shows you that your relationship with God is right, again, but it allows you to forgive others from the heart as well. It, it allows you to forgive as, as Christ uh, forgives, but without strings attached. So, so you don't have to wait for there to be trust to exist between you and another person. You just forgive. Whether there's trust there or not, that, that forgiveness is a decision. It, it flows from what you know about Christ, and because you know how much you've been forgiven in Christ, it, it ought to be easy to forgive someone else. It releases you personally from any sort of of prison that that resentment and hate can can cause in your heart, it releases the other person from from shame and guilt. Forgiveness is really the foundation of trust, of rebuilding uh, trust. And that's where the connection lies. There there is a difference there, right, between forgiveness and trust. You, You don't need trust in order to forgive, but you absolutely need forgiveness in order to trust. And that's why that's the foundation there. How could you possibly trust someone that you didn't forgive? How could you possibly start to rebuild trust with somebody if you you, you still hold on to the sin that they committed uh, so long ago? You can't. It's impossible. Forgiveness is the start of rebuilding trust, which is exactly what Joseph was doing with his brothers over these last three chapters. He had forgiven them. This wasn't revenge. Uh, he, he was trying to see if he could trust them, and he knew that this trust was something that would be earned, that, that was earned back 
over our consistency over time. He needed to see if the brothers uh, were, were actually repentant and if they had changed or not. And as we'll see at the beginning of the chapter next time, he believes they have. And that forgiveness begins that, that journey of trust that he's going to have with, with his brothers here. All of this story of Joseph, and we'll probably say this again as we go, is just remarkable for so many reasons. Um, you just kind of have to marvel at how God works. That he, he plays the long game. Uh, we're so often consumed by what's happening here and now and, and the short game, so to speak. He, he plays the long game. Uh, when you look at the relationship between Joseph and, and his brothers, uh, back when he was 17 years old and, and earlier, before they sold him into slavery, that, that relationship was broken, and it had been broken. And you may even say it, it was unfixable at that time. Uh, but God worked through uh, sinful decisions of, of the brothers. Uh, God worked through a, a global famine to bring the brothers back together again, to give them an opportunity to reconcile, to mend that relationship. And even more than that, God gave the brothers the opportunity to confront the sins that they had committed in the past. Now, all of this, taking all of this into account, we can certainly say that forgiveness is the, the foundation of trust. But one, one thing we, we definitely have to say, too, is as you're thinking of all the, the broken relationships that you maybe have in, in your life, uh, God makes no promises that you're, you're, all your broken relationships with other people are going to be mended. Well, one of the things that, that sin is going to always continue to do here on earth is to provide barriers and divisions between you and other people. But one thing we can trust from, from all of this is that your greatest relationship, the one that you have with God, that one has been mended. God has reconciled you through Christ to, back to each other. Your relationship is good again. You, you have been brought together through Christ. That relationship is perfect in Jesus. Uh, and we see how powerful that is through the forgiveness that Jesus won on the cross for us. That's what's brought you back together. And so if we see the power of, of Christ's forgiveness there, um, and we bring that into our relationships with others, where we can start to begin to build trust, we can just see what God can do with all of our, our relationships, our broken relationships, how forgiveness can be the beginning of trust being built between you and other people. Uh, let, let's go to God right now and, and let's ask, let's, let's say a prayer uh, to him and thank him for his forgiveness, first of all. And we'll ask that, that God um, continues to, to work in forgiveness in our lives for our sins, but also to, to use that forgiveness as a way to bring us and, and people that are, are, are broken, in, in broken relationships with us back together um, and use that powerful forgiveness to do that. Dear Lord, we thank you for the reconciliation you have given us between us and, and you. Uh, through, through your son Jesus, you, you have brought us back together with you. And we know that that relationship is right and perfect in you. Uh, that if, any other, if every other relationship in our life is broken, we know at least that one is secure, Lord. And that one is the one that makes all the difference. Lord, we, we also know that your, your forgiveness is a powerful thing. When we bring that forgiveness into, our, into even our broken relationships, that it can mend those, those broken relationships. When we bring that forgiveness in, it can begin to build trust between, between us and, and other people. Lord, we ask that if it is your will, that, that you would do that in our broken relationships there. Uh, we also ask, Lord, today that you would allow us to freely forgive others, even if trust is, is never regained between us and someone else, even if trust is not even possible to be regained between us and somebody else. 
work in our hearts the, the ability to forgive someone else by knowing how much we have been forgiven in you. Lord, in all of this, we need your grace because we know we, we can't do that perfectly, um, and, and we know we have it. We know we have it in you. We know you forgive our sins, and we are, we are uh, thankful and live in that grace all the days of our life. We pray this in, in your holy name, Lord Jesus, and ask you to bless us. Listen to this week's sermon. Hey, if you really enjoyed this sermon and if you enjoy the content that we put out, uh, could I encourage you to do something for us today? Could you share this podcast with, with somebody so that we might reach more people more often with God's word and that they might know that their sins are forgiven in Jesus and that heaven has been won for them? Uh, thanks for helping us do this and, and we pray God's blessings on you and on your week.